teaching on worship for kids ages four and up, and then they will join us with worship. That's all for me. Thanks. All right. Good morning. Now it's my turn to talk for a while. You guys ready? Yeah. I'm ready, I think. <laughs> no, I know. Um, I'm super excited for this. I'm Zach, if you don't know. I'm not actually a reverend. I just thought it was funny. So um, if you're mad at me, blame Matt. OK, you got it. That's fine. <laughs> um, but I do students and worship here at Cornerstone. And I also am super glad you're here. Um, before we get too far into things, I want to tell you guys what's coming up. You ready? Yeah. Ready? Yeah. Are you sure you're ready? Yeah. I'm just trying to make sure you're like awake this morning. No. I'm not, so this should be fun. <laughs> no, so uh, in two weeks, uh, there's no graphics, so don't look at the screen, I'm going to do it anyways, but um, in two weeks we're starting a new series called FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions of Faith, and we're super excited about that because if you know, here at Cornerstone we have a vision for 2023, which is... Gaining grit so that we can cast a wide net. Yeah, so this series through Exodus has been a chance to gain some grit. And our next series is the other side of that. We're going to cast a wide net. So this is a great opportunity for you to bring some friends who maybe don't go to church, um, who maybe have a lot of questions about, you know, why, why do you believe in God and who is Jesus and all that stuff. We're going to answer a lot of those things um, in that series. So we're really excited for that, and we hope that you will join us for that. Now it's time for the good stuff. So I was thinking, as I was prepping for this message and this teaching today, I was thinking about a movie I loved, because of course here at Cornerstone, every message we have to have a movie reference, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and so I'm assuming that you know who this guy is. Adam Sandler, yeah, right. So, uh, and that probably scares you, because there's some really out there Adam Sandler movies, if, if you follow that, but I promise it's all, it's all PG, at least 13 today. <laughs> um, but the one in specific that I was thinking of is this movie, Click. Has anybody seen this movie? Yeah. 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 All right. So if you don't know what happens, um, he gets, well, he asks for this, like, universal remote, because he wants to control his TV and all of his electronics. Does anybody have one of those? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, so he asked for that, that's what he wants, and then he's kind of given that, but it's, it's not in the way that he thought. He was actually given a remote that controls the universe. I know. And, and he loved it, not at first, but he loved it, right? Like eventually. And who wouldn't love a remote that controls the universe? Because you can fast forward through all of life's sucky moments, and then you can pause when it gets really good and you want to experience something. Right? And I think, I think we as people experience this a lot in our lives right now. And not necessarily that we have the ability to control things, but I think we have a desire and a compulsion to do so. We have this world at our fingertips through our phones and social media and the internet. And we, and we includes me, so I'm not like attacking you guys this morning. This is me too. We use it to comfort us or to pass time or to accomplish tasks quicker, uh, to learn more to connect with people, like you literally can do anything you want without ever leaving your house, right? And while it can be a super, super helpful thing, we often use it to this level that skyrockets to everybody's favorite word, idolatry, Ooh, right? And, and we tend to worship these things. I think about even like social interactions. For me, I, I do this a lot. 
Um, does anyone do the thing where you don't, you don't really know what to do with yourself, and you're in like a large group of people, and so you're just like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna scroll on my phone, and then just hope nobody talks to me. Or you pretend you're on your phone, or does anybody else, just, just me? Just me, all right, cool, that's fine. I do that, I'm not afraid to say it. To say it. <laughs> um, or you pretend to talk on the phone, or uh, for you students, I don't know if it's still the same, I was in high school ages ago, and ages, I mean like six years, but <laughs> the thing when I was in high school is we used to put our headphones in, and that meant like, please don't talk to me because I don't want to talk to you, right? Um, and so in this movie, we see Adam Sandler do a lot of these same things, but with his remote. And uh, he's skipping moments of his life where he maybe feels uncomfortable or inconvenienced or has to wait on something. Like, I think of this specific scene in this movie where he's stuck in traffic on his way to work. And he uses the remote, he presses a few buttons, and all of a sudden he's not in traffic anymore. And man, that would be so great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it would be. Um, and so that's what kind of came to mind when I was thinking of this message and prepping for this this week. Um, if you don't know, here at Cornerstone, we are in a series called The Departure, A Trek Requiring True Grit, where we journey through the book of Exodus and the Israelites' departure from Egypt. And I think in the book of Exodus... We see what happens when we worship this idea of what I'm going to call instant gratification and doing what we want and when we want and taking control as opposed to seeking God and his plans and his place for us now. Trusting God's timing. And so with that, I thought it would be appropriate to name this message, the departure, I want it now. Because we see the Israelites kind of have the same mentality in this. Um, if you're reading along with us, we're going to be in Exodus 32, um, and it'll be on the screen too if you need it, or there's Bibles in the seats in front of you, and you can go to sermons.church on your smart device and follow along with us there. But first, I want to pray real quick, and then we'll get into it. God, we ask that you bless this time that we have together, and that we would be able to collectively pursue you through your word and through your book. In Jesus' name, amen. So in our text this morning, we find Moses on the mountain, right, talking to God so that he can bring his word down to the people of Israel. And he was receiving, what does what Moses receive on the mountain? The Ten Commandments, yeah, good. Bible trivia, you didn't know you were doing this morning. But we know from Scripture in Genesis, actually, that even Abraham, it says in the book of Genesis, knew and upheld his commandments, and that these Ten Commandments were already known by the people. Moses was just getting this transcribed version from God and was actually being given a codified, is the word I'm looking for, or formal version of this so that he could use it to govern the nation of Israel. So they already know these commandments, it's just not as formal and as, as known. And so let's pick up in Exodus 32, verses 1 through 14. It says this, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing, and bring them to me. So all of the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. 
Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are the, your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Who wants to be called stiff-necked by God? Anybody else? No? Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Hang with me, I know this is long. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. So when I read this for the first time, I had a lot of thoughts and one of them kind of led me back on this personal journey to another movie I'd seen. I know, two movie references in one. Um, and I, I want to play the video, and then I'll ask you if you know what it's from. So here's the video I thought of. Gooses, geeses. I want my geese to lay gold eggs for Easter. It will, sweetheart. At least a hundred a day. Anything you say. And by the way. What? I want a feast. You ate before you came to the factory. I want a bean feast. Oh, one of those. Cream buns and donuts and fruitcake with no nuts. So good you could go nuts. You're gonna have all those things when you get home. No, now. I want a ball. I want a party. Pink macaroons and a million balloons and performing baboons and give it to me. Now. Right? What movie is that from? Who knows? Nobody said Charlie, right? No. All right, good. It was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. But right, they were kind of saying, the Israelites were kind of in this mentality too of like, I want it now. I don't care about God or about Moses or who's in charge. I want to be led now. We want them here now. But another thing, and the actual main thing that I thought of, I just thought that was funny, um, is I found myself thinking about how mad I was at the Israelites for worshiping a God other than Yahweh, God, who, as we've covered in this series so far, has literally just pulled them out of slavery in Egypt, parted an entire sea right in front of all of them, and have been continually faithful to them up into literal food falling from the sky. And all they had to do, literally all they had to do, was follow these seemingly really simple rules, right? Like, hey, don't, don't murder people and don't steal stuff. Done, I can do that, that's, that's pretty simple, right? But then I was thinking through uh, what God was trying to teach to me and through me in this message, and Matt preached on the importance of obedience. Did that get anybody else like it got me? Because that made me think. 
But I found myself thinking through moments in life where I probably did need to be more obedient and pay more attention to what God was doing in my life. And so what I wish I would remember more often, and what I think God is trying to teach us through this, and what he was teaching the Israelites here, is that, and this is your main idea, and you can write this in, faithfulness doesn't have an end date. Ooh, thanks for that. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's not explicitly written in this text to, you know, like remain faithful to God. Um, but we do see in verses 7 through 10, which says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. Goes on. Say they have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. I have seen these people the Lord said to Moses, here's that, and they are a stiff-necked people, right? Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. And so God's anger here is an example of what happens when we don't keep our faithfulness to God. And we do see throughout the Bible some specific examples of this call to be faithful, so I'll give you a few of those. The first one is this. In 1 Samuel 12, 24, it says, Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Pretty straightforward. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. But the next one is Daniel um, 3, 16 through 18, says this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. And if you know that story, you know that the three of them were rewarded for their faithfulness through God being in the fire with them and protecting them from harm. And so I think God rewards faithfulness. But this idea of faithfulness, it works both ways. Like, yes, there's our faithfulness to God, but there also is the faithfulness of God. And we'll see how that works as we go on, but what's important here is that we remember that faithfulness doesn't have an end date. And so, in saying that, how do we do this? How do we remain faithful to God? And in this context, how were the Israelites unfaithful? And so, Let's dig in and find out. So we read in Exodus 32, uh, 1, which says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. I'm going to stop right there for a second. So there's your instant gratification, right? It literally says that they were tired of waiting for Moses to come down from the mountain. So they decided that they were going to bring God to them. They decided that they were going to try to take control of the situation. Right? It says, make us some gods who can lead us. And in verse 2, Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. Are there any, like, Bible history slash context nerds in here, or is it just me? It could be just me, that's okay. 
Um, so actually, if you look at it and, and you read into kind of what's happened, the gold that they're talking about in this is actually gold that God had blessed them with when they left Egypt. And so if this is a blessing from God, they have taken it and turned it into an act of disobedience. And what's also not cool, but cool, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? <laughs> like, it's not a good thing, but it's cool when you dig into it. If you look at the gods that they had seen around them at the time, so if you look at when they were, Egypt, when they were in Egypt, the god was, the prominent god was Aphis. Um, and Aphis was depicted as, what can you guess? A calf, right? And then if you look at the Canaanite god, who is Baal, what do you think that it was represented as? It was represented as a calf also. And so it makes sense when the Israelites decided we're going to make a god and we're going to bring it down to us and we're gonna, it's going to be here right in front of us. All the other gods they had seen were calves and bulls. And so why not? Ours. But anyways, that's my, that's my fun stuff. Um, but they decided that God's timing, right, wasn't good enough, and that right then and right there, they were going to get the God that could lead them. They didn't want to wait for God to do it. They wanted to kind of hit that fast forward button, kind of like Adam Sandler in the movie, and move on to the next part of their journey. And so how many of you kind of find yourselves wanting to press fast forward a lot. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, I was like, I know there's some people in here, right? Um, I, I know for sure that my wife and I have found ourselves in this. Um, man, I've wanted to press fast forward so many times. Um, there's just been some stressful stuff in life recently. Like, um, for us, we, we commuted here for like a good two months maybe, month and a half, yeah. So uh, if you don't know, we're from Portage, Indiana, and so that was like an hour drive with a time change every day. Um, that was super stressful for me. Um, we were also going through a super fun time of trying to pack up a house and buy a new house, and if you've ever done that, you know it sucks. Um, yeah. um, and, and then we finally got here, and we had our house, and we were super excited, and everything was moved in, and, and it was great. And then the very first night, we had a huge leak from our upstairs bathroom down into our main level, and we had to, like, tear up the ceiling, and that was, that was super fun. And then we found out the next day that our brand-new water heater went out, and that was super fun, right? And so we just, we lived in a state of unsettlement for a really long time. And so maybe for you, maybe you're in the middle of trying to change jobs, or maybe you're a senior in high school or college, and, and it's just going so, so slow, or you're grieving and you really just, you want to fast forward through some of that pain. But we see in God's anger in this text that clearly, clearly this fast forward button and taking control of things ourselves isn't the way that he wants us to live. Again, like it said in Samuel, he calls us to remain faithful to him always. And so, to do this, Here's our point for today. To remain faithful to God, we must give God the remote. Right? We need to allow God to control the pace and the timing and the direction of our lives. 
In Exodus, we see this need for this again in God's anger towards the impatience and the disobedience that the Israelites were practicing. And sometimes, like we see with the Israelites um, when Moses was on the mountain, sometimes that means waiting on things. In Genesis, we see Noah, who was a guy who built this giant ark. Yeah, right? <laughs> Just checking to see if you guys are awake. Thanks, guys. Um, but he sent out a dove, and he had a check for dry land, and he, and he did this multiple times to see if the earth was ready for them yet. Because even though the rain was over, the earth was still too flooded for them to inhabit, for them to leave the boat. And so, if you're in a season of waiting, I think it's for maybe one of two reasons. Either it's not ready for you yet, and we see that in Joshua 14. It says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions, but my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong as the day Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, if you were wondering how to say that, I still am, and gave him Ephraim as his inheritance. Then the land had rest from war. So in the story, we see Caleb, who waited, I don't know if you can count, but 40 to 85 is how many years? 45 years, right? So he waited 40-some years for what God promised to him. And God blessed him with health while he waited. And the last verse is important. We see in the previous text in the book of Joshua that the land was full of war. And in that state, God didn't want Caleb to inherit it. So he waited until the land was free from war. And it's the same with Noah. Sure, there was like the, the rain was over, it was done, but the earth was still flooded. So Noah had to wait for God's timing for the earth to dry up and be inhabitable for him again. So maybe what's next isn't ready for you yet. Or the other part of that, maybe you're not ready for it. I don't know if you know like how far Egypt is from Israel but it ain't 40 years. I can tell you that. In fact, if you walk 24 hours a day, I, I did all of the calculations for this. If you walk 24 hours a day, which unrealistic, I get it, it's a five-day trip. Five days. And, and there's children, and we'll call them seasoned veterans of life. Right? They're, those people are there. I'll let, you, I'll let you think about that one for a second. <laughs> And so 24 hours a day is a lot. I get it. I get it. But say, like, most of us have worked a nine-hour workday in our lives, right? We could do it. And we work, like, five days a week, so whatever. Be 21 days if you walked nine hours a day. 21 days. But still, maybe. Maybe that's not realistic. Sure. Maybe not. Uh, 
Kara and I have actually been to Israel, and it's hot. It is. Like, it's hot. And we were there in, like, the off-season, and it was still hot. Um, but let's just say we walked about, like, five miles um, during our trip there. And so let's just say five miles a day. Five miles a day. There's time to collect food. There's time to set up and tear down these temporary tents. All of that, 76 days if you walked five miles a day. Even if they walked half a mile a day, 760 days. Do you see that I'm still not getting to 40 years? That means that there's most likely days, weeks, maybe even a month where they just didn't do anything. Matt taught a few weeks ago about uh, the whining and the complaining that the Israelites did. And we see more of that here in this text when they were complaining that Moses was taking too long. So basically, 40 years in the desert was actually God just waiting for them to fully trust him and fully be faithful to him. It says in Numbers 14, when they're finally getting close to the promised land, Said, And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them? I feel like that's just God saying, like, come on, dude. Come on. How many more miracles is it going to take for you guys to believe that I will provide? The Israelites were not ready yet for the promised land. They needed to grow in their trust and their faithfulness to God. And so, yeah, maybe maybe you are in a season of waiting. But in this potential season of waiting, I want to tell you something. It doesn't require idleness. Waiting doesn't require idleness. You can still pray. You can still pursue God. You can still, maybe, like, there's a need for you to be in that situation you're in. Like, you may need to be a light right now to the people around you. And none of that is idleness. We see in the story of Caleb and Joshua and from God's anger towards the Israelites that waiting for God is an excuse to click reference, so you know what I'm talking about, pause your faith. The Israelites couldn't wait for Moses. And if it weren't for Moses interceding on their behalf, God's anger would have burned against them. And so we see that we have this call as Christians to remain faithful to God always, like it says in Samuel, this, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. And so we need to give God the remote. And so now the question really is, how? How do we people who have been trained for this idea of instant gratification and being able to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want, how do we do this? How do we surrender control of the timing and the pace and the direction of our lives to God? And so I think sometimes to give God the remote, sometimes we have to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. The second part of that Samuel verse says this, for consider what great things he has done for you. And so even when you're in a challenging season, even when seasons change, like the Israelites were led out of Egypt, which was at that point, most of them, that was all they knew. 
That was the only place they'd ever been. And so you could be in any season. And, and we've talked about a lot of these different seasons. Maybe you have a challenging leader. Maybe your back's against the wall. Maybe you're struggling to feel like you're good enough. Maybe you can be in a season of desperation and you're just praying for your manna. Maybe you're in need of a miracle like the parting of the Red Sea. But that, this is the God that led them through again, that literal sea. Even when the Egyptians were coming to kill them. And he provided all of these things to the Israelites. Even though they whined and they complained and they groveled and they cried and they felt bad for themselves, he still provided. And so that's a God that we can trust when we are in the middle of a challenging season. When things are taking a while. When we're in a season of waiting or immense grief or trial or whatever we find ourselves in. And sometimes, sometimes I have to do this too. I have to remind myself that God has taken care of me. I've always had what I needed. And notice I use the word needed, not wanted. Because like, if I'm being honest, I wanted to be in the NBA. I did. It was, it was in my Facebook description for the longest time, future point guard in the NBA. But... God has been faithful to me and given me what I needed. And I think of a couple specific ways that recently I've experienced this. Um, one, I don't know if, like, how many of you have experienced, like, the full level of homeownership. I'm guessing most of you have. Um, most of the time when you buy a house, it's, like, it's a commitment for, like, a long period of time. Um, my first house I had for two years. And, like, if you know... Most of the times, if you have a house for two years and you don't do any work to it, you're not going to make money on that house, right? But we did zero work to it except for, like, last-minute touch-ups from things that we, like, scratched the wall or whatever. But we ended up making enough money on that house to provide us a down payment and some for our house here. And I just think about, like, that's a situation that never happens. But for us, we were following God's plan, and we knew that we were being led here and he provided in a way that we could have never imagined. Or another thing, um, to add to the fun list of house things that we've had go wrong, um, we found out a couple weeks ago that we have termites. Yeah. And so we had to take care of that, and, and financially we were kind of preparing ourselves for like, okay, what's this going to look like? How are we going to kind of navigate this, and what do we need to cut back on? And um, Literally the day after we paid for our termite stuff, we got a check in the mail from a payment that we had overpaid on our last mortgage, and it was almost the same amount as what we had just paid for the termite. And again, we had no, no idea that that was coming. We've also, I think about it, like, getting here, we were kind of expecting a little bit, and I mean, not to say it wasn't rocky, but it was mostly our house stuff, but we were kind of expecting relationally a little bit of a rocky start, just with both of us being kind of stressed, and, and we wanted to make sure that we were loving each other and spending time with each other, but we had been gifted and have been gifted with amazing friends that have welcomed us here, um, and actually, when, when we moved in, it was a Thursday night. On Thursday night, we have worship, worship rehearsals 
And if you don't know, I'm the leader of the worship team right now. So um, I was here, and by the time I got home, the entire truck, our whole moving truck was unloaded by people here that loved us enough and cared for us enough to be there. And so I just think, again, God provided in a way that we could have never, ever imagined. And so sometimes we need to remind ourselves of God's faithfulness. Another thing we may need to do to, be, to remain faithful to God is sometimes we need to remind ourselves of God's identity. And so I'm going to give you a list of things that we find in the Bible about God's identity. God is omnipotent. And if you don't know what that means, it means everywhere, always. And so it says this in Psalm 139. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. So God is everywhere, always. God is also all-knowing. We see this again in Psalm 139. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. So God knows everything. God is also all-powerful. In Jeremiah 32, it says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and stretched out arm. Nothing is hard for you. God is love in Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God is the provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. It says in Genesis twenty two fourteen. so Abraham called that place the Lord will provide or Jehovah Jireh. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. It's so amazing to think that the God who is all of this and more is the same one that created us. The one who desires a relationship with us. The one who allowed free will so that we may experience a level of love beyond all comprehension. And so that's what we need to remind ourselves of. And as the worship team comes up, I think again about this idea of God creating. And real quick, think with me like the prettiest things that you've ever seen in your life. And so some things that came to my head was like a rainbow or a waterfall or a sunrise or the view from a mountain. God created all of those things. And the God that created that also created us. And he's also created a plan and a direction for our lives. And so I don't know about you, but like I couldn't have done that. I couldn't have created a waterfall or a rainbow. That's like beauty beyond any comprehension. So why wouldn't we allow that God to take the remote for us? and to lead us in his creation and direction for our lives, because I guarantee you it's better than anything that we could ever imagine. And just think, like all of the beautiful things that we could be missing out on, because we're too busy trying to do things our own way.
instead of trusting him. Moses was literally that close to bringing back the word of the Lord to the Israelites. And sometimes I think we miss what God is saying to us because we're too busy holding on for dear life to the things in our life. And so in the midst of difficult seasons, to remain faithful to God, sometimes we need to remember his identity and his faithfulness. So that's our teaching for today, and we're going to move into a time of responsive worship. Um, and this week, as I, was, as I was thinking through this, uh, the prayer team, actually, if you wouldn't mind heading to uh, the wall and any staff and board members, that'd be great. But I was thinking, I tend to do this a lot in my life. I tend to hold on to things for dear life so that I can do them the way that I want to do them. When I was talking through this with Matt, he said, uh, buzzword, control freaks. So if you're a little bit of a control freak, and, and I'll admit that I can be sometimes, if you're a little bit of a control freak, the prayer crew is here. I want you to head over and just pray for help releasing control and opening your hands to the things that God may be doing differently and trying to lead you in in your life. And so if that's you, you can head over there. The rest of you stand, and we're going to sing this song together, and then we'll close.